We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mavs fans, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow coming to you once again to discuss another sporting event. Josh Bow, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh thought this was an interesting game. Mavericks win 112 to 104. Uh not gonna lie, this wasn't We're talking most... about that game? Yeah. This is the most interesting game in the world. Oh, I but... thought we I thought we would lead off with the Chiefs defeating the 49ers 25 uh... to 22. <laughs> a much more a much more riveting riveting sports ball match take your victory lap no there's no victory lap that was a wild and insane game and like it's just absolutely perfect that the next sporting event i watch is the mavericks playing the wizards and just <laughs> i mean it was it was horrendous um a horrendous <laughs> win and and i <laughs> they count as wins all the same they do count as wins all the same and so i'd kind of kind of talked myself into earlier today. I was like, man, we're going to come in and we're going to beat the pants off the wizards and we're going to have a great game. And then I'm going to do a live show after the fact with the fans. And now I don't want to do any of those things because that <laughs> game was just such a, it was a hex. And and I, I don't really know how to properly contextualize it. So can, can you kind of walk us through the game since I think you had a better view than I did? Cause I was doing my kids bedtime for the first quarter, no yeah. first half almost. Yeah. I mean, really it was just a sense of, both teams shot the ball very poorly almost all night. Um, the Wizards ended up finishing 7 of 32 from 3. The Mavs were 9 of 36. And the Mavs 9 of 36 number is an improvement considering they made, I think, two or three three-pointers in the fourth. And they made four three-pointers in the fourth quarter. I think they were four of nine from three in the mm-hmm. fourth. So <laughs> they were not well. And the Wizards, I believe, were 0 for 9. Um, so, yeah, it was just a case of... You're just watching the game and you're like, are the Mavericks going to figure this out? Because this wasn't this wasn't a game where it's like, ah, what are you going to do? The other team's hot. 
just one of those nights. It was no, the Wizards were not playing great basketball. I mean, they were shoot, they were hovering between 42 and 43 percent from the floor almost the entire game. Their only offense um, was Denny Advia uh, basically attacking Daniel Gafford in the pick and roll, and that was working pretty well. But outside of that, they really did not have anything going on the offensive end. Almost all of their offense was because the Mavericks had turnovers and, and missed shots and long rebounds. Um, the Wizards had 20 fast break points, uh, and the Mavericks stopped turning the ball over in the fourth quarter, started making shots, and the Wizards were like, oh, like, like, oh no, like, what do we do now? And they scored 16 <laughs> points in the fourth quarter when they didn't have easy runouts uh, that the Mavericks basically gift wrapped in them. I mean, there were uh, so many ridiculous offensive rebounds in that first half where yeah. this happens in like a there, game. There, there were a lot of opportunities for offensive rebounds in this game. Well, there were so many ones where it's like it felt like an ugly game at 21 where you're playing against somebody <laughs> who just doesn't have any fucking touch and the ball bounces not like off the rim and like down where you are because you're boxing out. It bounces like seven feet away towards the middle of the key. And that just kept happening on repeat. And then Marvin Bagley would bully someone or, I mean, there was one possession. I mean, we, they, they got harp to say that, that Marvin Bagley is a good rebounder. No, he's not. He Marvin Bagley is a tr tremendous misuse of athletic talent. And, and the Mavericks made him look functional for a while. And I, you're going to have games like this, and I think what's so damn frustrating for for people who are just avid every game watchers is just there's no reason to have a game quite this ugly, but they, they buckled down when it really mattered, when it really, really mattered, and that is is something that's nice to see. And I got to be honest with, with the crowd, okay? I'm just going to show everybody this because I'm an idiot. Um, I, I, I spent the better part of the last four minutes of the game, trying to figure out how to work TikTok, And I made this incredibly stupid thing. I'm going to share with oh, uh, you actually made that. I thought you, Oh no, I made this. So, <laughs> so I missed, I'm just going to put it on real quick here and we're just going to go live here for <laughs> yes. Feel that beat. Uh, I don't know if this even comes through on the video, but it's like a seven second TikTok. It's the dumbest thing ever. But, uh, I, I just I was the king of shitty Mavs memes from Microsoft <laughs> Paint. Took my title there, I think. I mean, I that's good though. I don't want to make this about kid, but like let's just say, let's just say this, guys. When you trade for two brand new players, a small forward slash power forward and a center, there is zero reason in any level of the multiverse. For you to play Kyrie Irving, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Jaden Hardy at the same time. Fireable coaching offense. Like, horrible. Horrible. I mean, Tim is one thing. Like, I, I don't know how to talk about Tim. Like, his dad was there, and he shot bad. And it's just, it's so stupid. <laughs> like, the Mavericks tried to lose that game, and they still couldn't lose that game. And that's that's the part that I will probably circle back to in that, are they a top three seed in the West? Like our guy, Matthew Phillips, seems to think they are. No. Are they a playing team? After tonight, even though it was a sloggy-ass victory, I don't think they are. I think they're a top six team. I, I think this game sort of made me there, – there's something about the ugliness of it that gave me like a, a bit of – not like hope, but like a sense of like, okay, they can pull out of tailspins, whereas – 
prior to this game, there have been tailspins that they just couldn't come out of. Yeah, I mean, even though they did shoot better in the fourth quarter, they still only made 25% of their threes. And how often has this Mavericks team won games in the last three years when they're shooting 25% from three? Uh, the Mavericks scored 64 points in the paint. So that's back-to-back games of 60 plus points in the paint since this trade, which means they're figuring out new ways to win because they have a different roster. Um, They have guys that are capable of doing things that aren't just standstill spot up shooting threes. I mean, look at PJ Washington. Didn't, I mean, he missed all five of his threes. They're mostly open, which is kind of continuing this weird. You kept telling me how yeah. good his shot looks. That thing came off the rim like. Yeah. I think his form looks good, but he is not shooting well. Uh, he's He's been in like a two-year funk from three. But it, this mm. game kind of proved my point with him in that I don't really care. I mean, he needs to not go over five from three, obviously, because sure. um, against teams that aren't the Wizards, that's going to hurt you. But it's pretty obvious that like a 34%, let's just say – 34% shooter from three that can do stuff with the ball um, that can be a little bit more versatile, be a little bit more well-rounded versus a standstill spot up 38% three point shooter that, that has to basically have everything spoon fed for them. Like, I feel like this was a good example of, of why the former matters a lot more in the NBA now as teams are trying to run these guys off the line more than ever before. So like, yeah, PJ didn't shoot well, but, you know, he still managed to – he didn't – he only scored nine points, but he still – he shot well from two. Uh, he was basically like four of – He had a nice – Six in the, in, inside the arc. Him him, uh, and, and Daniel Gafford have really strong senses of mismatches and when to cut and when to sort of be at the rim. Um, P, Luca found PJ – I'm pretty sure it was PJ – for like just an easy lay-in, it was like a duck-in, and Luca was almost at half court and just sort of placed it exactly where PJ could ca- catch it and laid it right mm-hmm. in. And and like the Mavericks haven't had anybody ever that could do that with Luca. Like really, I mean, it's at been, least it, as a forward. Yeah, at least <laughs> as a you know, you got your your DeAndre Jordans and people like that of the world who do it, but like a small forward ducking in like that, that just like Dorian never did that. Like, uh, do you remember the first uh, Jason Kidd coach game when Dorian had two post-ups and he had had one post-up the previous season? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. It just came to mind. No, 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 but it just, I mean, you know, all respect to Dorian, he's one of those standstill, you know, spot-up guys. Like, it just goes to show, you know, if you can do the impact the game in other ways besides just shooting threes, that just goes a long way to winning these kind of games when you don't have the three-pointer. Um you know, Gafford was okay. Uh, I mean, people are going to be like, okay, you, like he had 16, 17, and five. And I, and I feel like this was kind of the full Gafford experience where he had monster numbers and, and had some really big, impactful moments. But then, like, he just got obvious, just absolutely cooked him at the rim. Today. Let's circle back to this in just a second. We're all right, we're 10 minutes into the show, folks. Uh, 10 minutes is my traditional time because we've got a lot of people in here where I simply do ask you to do one thing. First is head on down there to the like button. Hit the like button. It's really helpful to us on the YouTube stream. If you are down there and you are considering uh, wanting to follow our shows, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. I think there's the ability also to get notified whenever we go live, but I think that notification process is a little bit goofy sometimes. If you're listening on an audio stream, consider subscribing to our show. Consider leaving a comment and a review on whatever stream that you are here uh, or listening through. 
Um, if you're watching the video at a later date, we had nearly 5,000 views on our last video, which for us is a big deal. Just hasn't, you know, we get, you know, 1,500, 2,000 if we're lucky. 5,000 is a big deal. And that's because of you guys supporting of us. I'm really, really grateful. Um, please leave comments after the fact on the video. Those things all really help boost in the algorithm from what I've been told. And we would be grateful if you did that. And if you're listening on um, podcast, I'm going to insert some ads right now. And Josh and I will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I also need to figure out how to insert midstream that on YouTube. Uh, one friend had sent it to me, but I just haven't watched the video because I'm that kind of lazy in season. Um, all right, so circle back to Daniel Gafford. You were doing, like, you were kind of leading off with it because the Daniel Gafford experience is pretty hilarious tonight. Where I wasn't even, I wasn't able to watch, and I just like looked at my Twitter feed. <laughs> Someone was like, "Could he? Does he know how to pass?" <laughs> yeah, he had eight. I think he had eight rebounds in the first quarter. So he finishes Ooh. with sixteen. 17 boards, seven offensive rebounds, two assists, two steals, five blocks, two turnovers, seven mm. of 13 from the floor. So kind of like a really, because you think of, you know, Gafford, I don't know if Gafford's missed six shots in a game this season. Like there's no was way he doing he was, the, like missing his own shot, getting the yes, rebound thing. Yes, okay. Yeah, he was for sure. Um, Josh is sorry. It's often comment about my water bottle. <laughs> it does kind of look like Cartman now that I see it. That's a good, that's a good comment. Thanks, everyone. Um, um, but yeah, he was, I mean, he put up numbers. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, I mean, he, look, 16, 17, five blocks, you know, even with some of the, like, you still take that production because oh, the yeah. Mavericks were, were getting minutes from their bigs that, like, weren't doing anything at the rim and also weren't, you know, putting up numbers. Like, eventually you put up that many numbers. The numbers are numbers. Like, that's pretty good. Um, but you saw why, you know, the, his defensive efficiency kind of at the rim is not great. Um, not that he's a bad rim protector, so to speak. When he contests shots, he is good. But there are instances where teams can get him out of position, get him yeah. going one way, uh, falling for fakes, you know, getting him in, in space, uh, in the paint near the free throw line, like forcing him to make decisions. That's where he can struggle a little bit. And I thought Advia kind of really picked him apart in the pick and roll, forcing him to, you know, kind of using head fakes, ball fakes, uh, hesitations to, to kind of throw him off guard. And and Washington kind of, I mean, the Wizards, that was their only offense. When Gafford was on the floor, they really attacked him. Now he got them back a couple times. He had five blocks. So, like, you know, he's not. He had a left-handed. Not, like Not for nothing. And if if you've even played, like, pickup basketball, 
And like, if you've ever get a block with your off arm, like your non-dominant hand, it feels so amazing. And he had one with his left, like at the peak. I just, I like watching him block shots. He's got really nice timing in that regard. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, and you know, this was a game that I felt like was good, but also kind of indicated like I think he needs to be the backup when Lively gets back because I, you know, definitely there was some chatter in the fan base that's like, wait, is Gafford going to be the starter? And like I understand that Lively's a twenty-year-old rookie now; sure. he just turned twenty. But I think Lively, Lively's ability to protect the rim a little bit better, stay in better positioning, I think, is already a little bit better than where Gafford is. His passing in the short roll is better than Gafford. Gafford had two turnovers and kind of had tunnel vision when he caught the ball uh, when Luca got doubled or out of the pick and roll, and just kind of put some shots up. That's why he missed six shots. He took some attempts that were some non dunks that that didn't fall for him. Um, and that's another thing. Like, I tr- like I think Lively has really shown this season he's really good at catching the ball near the free throw line, maybe a little bit inside the free throw line when Luca gets bl- blitz in the pick and roll and like taking a hard dribble pivot, a drop mm-hmm. step, finishing even if it's not a dunk. Like, I think Lively has, has earned the benefit of the doubt there to keep keep that going. So. Yeah. Again, not bad. Like you know, it's not critical. I mean, like the it's point is, you can cool. play one of these dudes for forty-eight minutes. <laughs> right. like, like, like you get either him. Like, what an awesome problem! Right. Exactly. Give exactly. me this problem where right. I just I you know. Where there instead, was like it's a, Dwight Powell who's also not guarding the rim and has three rebounds in mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. twenty. And and I don't like they they had to use Maxi in the backup five role again tonight, and I just can't handle it sometimes because he just doesn't have the lateral quickness and the, like, he's a great help side. Like he know, had some good rotations in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Sure. And the rotation stuff is good, but like, if he's getting attacked off the dribble, he is fried chicken. And I, I just, I don't want to, it's not fair to him. I don't like seeing it. Yeah. And then when lively gets back, you can probably play maxi more at the four and, and not have, you know, the five maxi can be like a look instead of like a, we have to do this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it, do you see this question in the chat? This is a great question from Mavericks fan, the the most original name in our chat. What's the type of screen called where the big hangs back and then goes and sort of sort of screens the help defender? That's that. I mean, are we talking Gortat screen? Like, yeah, I think that's bulldozing? what he's talking about. The Gortat screen when you're you lead just, blocking <laughs> your, you, your ball. It's an right? offensive foul that doesn't get called ever because <laughs> it's like a dive where you knock the crap out of whoever's in the lane. Um, could be wrong. It, we might not be referencing the right thing though. But that's that's what i am i was thinking about um anyhow all right where i that i just wanted to to um, answer the, the gentleman's question it's a good question um what else do we kind of have have of note to talk about the in, in this game i don't know i because it's just one of those games where they just kind of i mean they look i mean they look like a team that's definitely looking forward to the all-star break um maybe that's why they started a little slow but that's getting into their heads which i don't know but Uh but defensively like washington didn't they trapped luca a little bit i thought luca got a little loose with the ball in the first half um his turnovers were pretty bad um and he threw like a lob to gafford that gafford missed the lob dunk like he he eventually got it but luca kind of like put a little too much uh, hot sauce on it and like it, it, it made it a tougher play than it needed to be, and there, there were a couple moments like that in the first half. So, once he settled down in the second half, like that's kind of when the game changed, especially in the fourth quarter. Like once, the, I mean, again, once the turnovers right up, the Mavs had sixteen turnovers. That's a lot for them. Uh-huh. You know, they're they're closer to ten right. turnovers a game. So, 
those extra possessions and runouts was giving Washington basically life support on offense because they were just not making any shots otherwise. So once that cleaned up, that was kind of the game. Uh, and also credit to, well, I don't know if it's credit, but they benched Tim Hardaway Jr. in the fourth. They rode Jaden Hardy, and Jaden Hardy scored 10 points in 13 minutes, made two threes in the fourth quarter. That were I, absolutely needed crucial. threes, very yes. needed threes. Yeah. Yes. So th- that swung it. Uh, uh, and yeah, otherwise everyone else kind of fell into place. The t- you know Tim had a you know Tim's game was horrible. Uh, I don't know what else to say other than he was just. He was I mean, he's got it. They, they got to institute with the options that they have now. They have to institute some sort of some sort of heat check rule where if he rolls out there and he misses three shots in a row, get him out. He doesn't help on defense. I mean, there was a really there's a really funny tweet. From a Mavs me or a Dallas area media person just insisting that Tim Hardaway Jr. is a good defender because NBA people had told him that he is an average to okay defender, which the only thing that proved is NBA people will tell you kind of whatever you ask, um, and that not to believe everything you're told. But Hardaway, when he's just when he's not working, if this team doesn't need him, they shouldn't keep letting him go out there to do that. Like that's there's going to be times when he really, really works because he's just going to catch fire. But the Mavericks didn't need him to keep shooting. They needed attacking. And then the one time he did attack, uh, Kulabale swatted him so beautifully into the corner that kid after that was just like, okay, you're done. And it shouldn't have gotten to that point, to be quite honest. I mean, Hardaway attacked a, it was a one-on-three. Like, just such a horrendous decision. And I've lived with the Mavericks' terrible decisions, or I'm sorry, Tim Hardaway's terrible decisions, because really, you know, there's no other option than a confident man in some games. But they don't, they don't need that now. With Kyrie healthy, you got PJ Washington who can dribble. I do kind of think we should talk about, you know, PJ's kind of weird two games here. Josh Green's ability to attack. You just don't need Tim doing this sort of sort of stuff. Yeah, for sure. It made it made sense when like they had a mass unit out there and like half the teams on the injury report because it's like, well, who else is going to score if it's not Luca and Luca has to play forty minutes? Like someone else has to put the ball in the bucket, uh, and that's where it made a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, you know, it's just it's been two games. We'll see if that leash gets shorter. Hey, at least it's not to the point where it's like he's playing the like. I mean. Like, let's remember, like, some Rick Carlisle years where Rick would ride the vet, like, regard, like, come hell or high water uh, and not even give a, a young guy like Hardy that opportunity. Like, if this was, like, 2000, if this was, like, 2013 or something, there's no sure. way, there's no way Jaden Hardy would have finished this game over Tim Hardaway Jr. and right. Mavericks lose. So, you know, at least it, it, it didn't cost them the game and they pulled the plug, you know, at the absolute last moment. So, you know, it's glass half empty, glass half full, I guess. You had had an interesting observation on our Slack about why you think P.J. Washington helps things even if he's not shooting particularly well. And you've talked about it a little bit already, but I think it's worth kind of just going over again for anybody that hasn't been listening to the show. Like what the... What you you feel? And I'm gonna, I'm trying not to put words in your mouth, but you feel that that the NBA has adjusted to Luca setting up for open shooters, and now the fact that they have a few more guys who can attack off the dribble, whether or not the guy shoots 38 percent from the corner or 34 percent from the corner, 
is mattering less than it used to just because if that guy that's shooting 34% from the corner can also attack off the dribble now, which Dorian really couldn't. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I really need to write this as like a larger piece because it's been, you know, rattling around my brain for a while. But you just look at the best teams in the NBA right now, mm-hmm. Boston, Denver, the Clippers, um, even, you know, OKC, um, just these really good teams that have offenses that you think are, that are potent right now. Like mm-hmm. just not a lot of, it's not a lot of standstill spot up shooters. Not to say that those teams can't shoot threes very well, but like you look at Boston and it's like Tatum, Brown, Holiday, Derek White, like those guys are not just guys that sit in the corner. And can't do anything. Like even Denver, like uh, playing next to you, like they don't just surround Jokic with just standstill spot up shooters. Like, Aaron Gordon uh, and Porter Jr. and Murray, they and even KCP, they all have a little juice if a defender's flying at them. Like, I think the league kind of went through that 3 and D, like, super role player kind of during the Warriors era, and I think it was, like, when these super teams, you had, like, the LeBron Heat and, and the Steph, the Steph KD Warriors and then even the LeBron Cavs. Like, these teams that had, like, these three massive contracts, it was like, okay, well, how do we – fill out the rest of our team if three guys are, are our cap space basically it's like well let's just find some guys that can you know they might not be able to do anything but but hit, hit spot up corner threes but they can play d and they can't get played off the floor well now like you know it's not just adjusting to luca like luca you know there's plenty of other teams that play like the mavericks and have a heliocentric you know offensive hub that that controls the game and, and can pick out shooters like eventually the defense is going to adjust regardless of what you think the NBA defensive rules you changing or any of that. Like right. I just seem teams more aggressive with blitzing, more aggressive with trapping, more aggressive with, with closeouts and, and they, you know, having guys like you're seeing a lot more uh, big men guarding perimeter players that they don't think are offensive threats. So they can play like free safety and roam. Yeah, because they don't even one. They don't respect the perimeter player can do anything with the ball. Well, we've seen the Mavericks do that with Luca and <laughs> who he guards sometimes. Yeah, so I think now more than ever you need guys that you know. And again, I remember when I said this once, someone responded. I was like, like how many teams have five point guards on the floor? It's like you don't need five point guards. You just you need guys that when a defender is running at them to chase them off the line you know, take what the defense gives you and hard dribble into the lane and either hit a mid-range shot or hit a floater or keep the keep the play moving. Be able to pass it to the to the weak side, other end, for a corner three if you can force a rotation. Like, you just have to be able to have something like that uh, to, to keep these defenses honest and off balance because otherwise – I think you you've seen we've seen it. We've seen it with this Mavericks team. Teams will be brazen with their doubles on Luca. They'll be brazen with their help in the in the paint against Luca. And we've seen how many times have we seen in, since Luca's been drafted here, they've lost games because teams do not care about these guys open from the three-point line. One, because they either don't trust them really as shooters, or two, it's like, well, we'll just run them off the line. Uh, and then nothing's gonna happen. And then the ball kind of hot potatoes back to Luca. And you got Luca playing 40 minutes with a 40 usage rate getting worn down at the end of games. And and we've seen that story time and time again. So like Washington has that, like he made a couple, another couple of floaters tonight. Uh, like you said, he presented himself well, sealing off kind of a, a defender was fronting him in the paint and Luca found him and, and he got a nice lay in or dunk. I can't remember. can't remember which, but, but yeah, like if now he can't shoot over five from three, every game. 
he can't shoot 30% from three because eventually that's just, you know, there's got to be some balance. But if he can get that up to, you know, he's like 32 for the year. If he can get up to 34, 35, like they can make that work. Like Derek Jones Jr. has started a ton of games for this team in Washington spot. Yep. And he's shooting like 34% from three in the Mavericks. I've had a top 10 offense almost all year. Yep. And and we've seen how many times have we seen that infusion of Jones being able to just attack a closeout and get into the paint uh with the ball uh and do things and finish and score. Like he's not incredible at it, but like he's averaging a career high because his skill set's kind of finally being utilized here. Um so yeah, that's I mean, that's really important. Like that's why the three-point shooting again, it doesn't bother me and like I, not saying like three-point shooting doesn't matter like i'm raging against analytics like absolutely not um but it just gives the mavericks an extra dimension where they can win games without making 18 three-pointers yeah yeah all right is there anything else i'm trying to think of of stuff so you know one one guy in the chat eric notes that Kyrie played 43 minutes don't like that i think that happened in no small part because luca took that elbow to the chin and had to go back for a little bit i mean um that sort of threw off their minutes vibes to a degree they also needed him because they weren't scoring like yeah no and i and you know i i liked Kyrie's game i mean he a lot of stuff didn't go down for him tonight but this was one of the more assertive Kyrie games i've seen um which was you know outside of the fact when luca wasn't playing at all so that was something that was was refreshing to see um you know, there's there's just little bits of here and there of, of Josh of, Green. Like, is this just kind of who he is now? Like, it's like remember we were wondering great stat, great stat stuffing game for him. Just all <laughs> sorts of little stuff. Thirty yeah. minutes, thirteen points, four four rebounds, two assists, two steals, a block, zero turnovers. Uh, I, I'm liking. It's interesting. So there's a gentleman in here a couple of days ago that's kind of arguing with me and us about Josh Green's defense and. This was a good example of where Josh Green can the, these games of these last two games. Grant's only two games, but are kind of an example of what Josh Green can do if he's not having to guard up, um, if he's guarding the right guy in the lineup and not a guy four inches taller than him that he can't hang with. So it's it's good. It's it's him as a connecting piece is going to be very interesting as as the season goes along. Um, yep. I think we there is one more thing that I that I want to address. Um, I need to pull it up on my timeline. You got anything else you you want to talk about? Yeah, while you're doing that, it's just real real short. Um, sure. Someone uh, someone mentioned you know why were uh, Derek Jones Jr.'s minutes so short? And yeah, he only played 12 minutes. I, I I don't have it up with me right now, but he's been like one of their innings eaters, like because he has he's been one of the few that hasn't gotten hurt as consistently in that starting lineup. Um, yeah, this is the least amount of minutes he's played in a game since December 11th, and I want to say he probably got hurt in that game because he only played mm-hmm. six minutes against the Grizzlies. So uh, this was his lowest amount of minutes he's played in a game that's mattered since opening night, basically. Hmm. Um, so I I don't read too much into that other than, like, they got P.J. Washington. Like, that's – kind of he's taking his spot um if they needed more from him to you know and this wasn't a game where they needed more defense i mean they were i know washington was was kind of cooking a little bit in the second and third quarters right um, but they like again like i said they were hovering around 43 like they the mavericks needed offense to get back into this game so that's probably why they rode the Kyrie tim hardy minutes a little bit harder than most people would have liked but 
But with Washington here, like he kind of is filling the spot that that Jones had. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he plays more, maybe in in a matchup where they need more perimeter defense. Um, but man, like Washington had like Jordan Poole, one of twelve. Uh, Kispert was two of eleven. He has never been the same since Draymond punched him in the face. Like there's a direct court. Like he's been awful since Draymond punched him in the face. I know he was a positive player in the NBA yeah. finals not that long ago. Yeah. Uh, and then Koulibaly was one of 10. Like Washington was only getting buckets. Maybe you could have put him on Advia. Uh, maybe that would have helped. But I, I just think with Washington here, I wouldn't be surprised if Jones gets a little squeezed sure. out of the rotation. Uh, and it makes, makes him a more situational player. Yeah. All right. The last thing I want to make reference to, um, so Spencer Dinwiddie, after uh, you know getting wooed by both the Lakers and the Mavericks, opted to sign with the Los Angeles Lakers. And today he gave Dave McManaman of ESPN a quote. There's a story up on ESPN about it, but recommend you go seek it out. But he gave this quote uh, to the Los Angeles media. Let's say you're a kid and you get your ass whooped by the bully. Dallas would have been like your mama. Like, it's okay, baby. The Lakers are like your dad. Nah, you better go out there and fight till you win, end quote. I just can't be more pleased with my initial take, and I'm mad I backed off it. For those of you who don't recall, I I essentially was trying to imply that Spencer Dinwiddie is a chuckle fuck who can't help himself from saying stupid shit, and it didn't get noticed by our local media very much for two reasons. Number one, the Dallas Mavericks won a lot while he was here. Um, Number two, the stuff Spencer said never really seemed to make waves, but we got all the transcripts. We see all the stuff he says. And when the Mavericks started losing prior to the, uh, like after the the New York Knicks game last year and before he got traded for Kyrie Irving, his post-game quotes got more and more stupid. And I mean, this is a guy who has zero self-awareness, which works both for and against him the same way it works for and against Tim Hardaway. And he went to the Los Angeles Lakers, a place where there's not going to be a lot of playing time for him, where uh, Christian Wood, his former teammate, was bragging about uh, uh, recruiting him. And he's just the most anti-LeBron player I can possibly imagine. LeBron James does not put up with that kind of bullshit. And it's just, I, 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 I feel good about my initial take. I'm really glad I backed off it whenever all you guys were lecturing me. Um, Spencer, I'm grateful for your time here. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Goodbye. I don't even know. I've got nothing else to add. Well, who are we gonna, what are we going to do with that spot? I mean, that's like, uh, I don't know what they're going to do with that roster spot, but I guess if they were doing, Dinwiddie was always kind of an interesting choice because they've got a lot of guards. Like uh, the only, the only way Dinwiddie made sense if well, the argument is you're worried about Dante Exum, Exum. right? Yeah, so and you don't trust Hardy to play, which I, I think is a pretty good argument. Yeah, that's cool. a pretty yeah, that actually that's is what a swayed good, me. Yeah, that is a pretty good argument. Otherwise, I don't really know what they're going to do with it. Like I said last time, um, we're not guys signing usually Tony don't Snell, you guys. <laughs> well, that yeah, that deadline's already passed, so there's yes. not really yeah uh, that story doesn't matter for this season at least. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they do Marcus Morris. Like we said, activate the the super twins or or whatever. Just, that that would also get make them mad. <laughs> I know. Just leave it open. Convert AJ Lawson. Like, yeah, that's and the sign vibes another I guy want. with your two way. Yeah, that's the vibes I want. Okay. I yeah, I I don't I think after Dinwiddie, I just don't really see another player on the market that's good. Sure. 
push move the needle that much so it haven't really entered my brain that much no i get it i mean it's because uh, hopefully it won't matter because that right would be great. That person shouldn't have to play right <laughs> it's it's like when the mavs signed Peja stoyakovich in 2011 Peja really I mean, he mattered, but he didn't matter. And then he mattered in the playoffs for like three games and really helped close out the Lakers. And then he was never heard of from again because you couldn't play him anymore. And that's kind of the most you can hope for for a roster spot like that. So, yeah. all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm uh, feeling juiced up now. We're going to cut to a quick uh, <laughs> quick break and we're going to go to a live show where you can participate. Let's hear what your thoughts are in these first two post-trade games. Let's hear what your thoughts are uh, on basketball in general. We only got one more game until the All-Star break. And I don't know if Josh and I are going to post very much during the all-star break because I have a work trip and this season is, is the seasons are hard. So maybe, you know, we got a couple more shows before things go, you know, kind of turn quiet for a minute. So hang out here after the break, Josh, you got anything else? No, that's it. You guys have a fun live show. You haven't done one in a little bit, right? Uh, Yeah. All right. We'll be right back for another Mavs party. Thanks for hanging out guys. Just hang out right there. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.